You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. The immortal jellyfish. Immortal. Yes. Right. So not only is it a jellyfish... What can they teach us? And it's actually generated, generated a lot of interest in the species as a potential biological model for research on aging. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. You are Angie. And today, Angie, I think I think we just get through the niceties. Let's just jump into this because here we are. One that you and I obviously been struggling with a little bit, the jellyfish, because we have been talking out of our comfort zone. You know, <laughs> we don't study invertebrates, right? We are not... Disclaimer before I say anything yes. else. If anything has become true to me in the past week and a half preparing for this podcast, which is probably the longest that I've prepared for any podcast, <laughs> I am most certainly not an invertebrate biologist. <laughs> no, no, it's and so different. I, I, in my, I, I don't even think in my zoology degree, I don't think years ago, many, many moons ago, I don't think I even had a take an invertebrate course. Maybe I did and I just blacked it out. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's become clear to me that, um, yes, mammals, reptiles, birds, bring it, uh, invertebrates, much tougher, much tougher. It, it, it is, it is. They're just so different from what we normally study. All of our training, you know, graduate school for a decade plus for me, or wait, let me see, undergrad plus two degrees. So that was 11 years for me. Took you I like stopped counting after right? like 10. <laughs> Yeah. After the second baby, you're just like, I'm going to be in school forever. <laughs> yeah. And disclaimer for, for listeners, Angie did have two children during her graduate school. Two. Two. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how you women did it. So for us today, this podcast, we've been promising this one for a while, the immortal jellyfish. Immortal. Yes. Right. So not only is it a jellyfish that is very different in its physiology compared to any mammal, reptile, or bird that we've spoken about mm-hmm. on this podcast. But it also has the immortal factor, which I am still trying to wrap my brain around. I was walking the dog last night and I went on, I did like an extra loop just trying mm-hmm. to figure out how I could talk about this on the podcast after reading and reading and reading and trying to, I mean, scientists don't understand a lot of it to begin with, but and I'm still stumped. So that's probably not a very good uh, way to entice the listeners. To- <laughs> <laughs> to keep I'll listening. get there. I will get there later in the podcast. Yes. I promise no, you. you it, well, I will. Stem, yeah. Stem cells are your baby. Yeah. So you, you'll, you'll mm-hmm. definitely, you have a better grasp. You did that stuff for your, uh, for your graduate work. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be able to, to, to kind of hopefully explain it to the listeners on, on how some of this works, but you're right. They don't fully understand how these, 
animals can live forever. And basically they can. Now what I it's, think, but, but it's worth it. Stick, stick around guys. It's really, really yes. crazy, oh. cool and fascinating. It is cool. It is cool. I mean, the thing is jellyfish. They're not, you know, I'm going to get to this. They're not fish. They're just called that. Their bodies are at least 95% water. <laughs> so of their physiology, 95% yes. of it's water. 94 to 99 to be precise. Uh, but yes, <laughs> mostly water. Yes. And, it's, and so the remaining has the barest essentials needed to, you know, basically what we do and, you know, as we live is to, to consume food or whatever energy to provide energy to the cells to keep them living. So you have this bag of water with some, some stuff in it that helps it. It's, it makes it alive. It's alive, right? It's alive. And Chris, I think what really just helped me understand jellyfish and their unique physiology, besides the fact that they're in an invertebrate and they don't have vertebra or a skeleton was the fact that they are a primitive, a truly, truly primitive multicellular organism. So going way, way, way back, and I know you'll cover it in evolution, but first there's one cell and then there's a couple cell mm -hmm. organisms and, and these guys aren't too far after that. No, no, no. These things are ancient. So all their, not all, but most of their physiological mechanisms are very primitive and they have different, for me, as I was reading, it's different terminology, mm -hmm. different way their cells do things, uh, which we'll talk about, I think, when we get to the stinging part of jellyfish. Uh, so it was, it was a, it was a whirlwind course for me and we're going to, we're going to try to get you guys there. But I think one of the first things to truly understand about jellyfish or nadarians is the family group is called mm. besides being 95% water and being basically a true multicellular organism is they don't have any real true organs. Mm -hmm. So mm -mm. no mm -mm. true no. organs. And they're basically the first animal to move up from one cell, two cells to actually display tissue layer organization. Yeah. And tissues, everybody Think, you know, everybody knows what tissue is in, in, in a body, but basically that's just similar cells that are grouped together for a similar function. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no true, no true organs. They have a hydrostatic skeleton, which is not a real true skeleton. Mm -mm. It's basically, uh, just helps them keep their, their shell, the, the bell area on top. Right. And I mean, like you were saying, being ancient, these things are over 500 million years old. Angie, 500 million years old. They are, th yeah. this is by far the most ancient thing we've covered. And they are still one of the most ancient creatures still living. And they haven't really changed all that much. I mean, obviously they've diversified since then, but their physiology, Correct. like you're talking about, hasn't really changed into something more advanced. It's, it's kept this basic primitive function, right? I mean, just. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And then just to, to go back to what I said, they're not fish because they don't have a backbone. You know, they, they're invertebrates. So fish have their own phylum. They're very, you know, the phylum's very high up in the tree of life. And, you know, just under kingdom, fish have backbones, whereas these don't. These, like Angie said, they don't have skeletons. Now, before we jump into the immortal jellyfish and kind of describe those, I, you, again, stay till the end because there's, there's some fun jellyfish facts that I've saved for everybody. That is first, what is the most deadliest jellyfish? And I know some of our friends, I'm not going to say where, no, because they have to live with these things. <laughs> then can you die by jellyfish stinks? You know, that's another question, you know, compared to some of the other creatures we've covered. I just read that in, in Australia, a dad, I totally pictured you, mm -hmm. a dad came home from a day at the beach with mm -hmm. his two kids and he realized he had in his pocket the most dead, one of the most deadly or if not the most deadly octopus. It's called a blue ringed. Oh blue yeah. Ringed no kidding. Octopus in his pocket. Yes. yes. Oh my god. And then gosh. he like, he like luckily got it away from him and then he reached into another pocket and there was another one in there. No way. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. But he's totally fine. And, and yeah. it didn't sting or I don't, what do octopuses do? They, 
bite, I think. Bite. I think venom, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bite. So, yeah. which is similar to stinging, but different mechanisms. So, yeah. And, but Ooh. he's just like, I'm going to be much more careful to be. At the beach, but you know, thank goodness him and not the little ones because he was able to like recognize the right. intensity of the situation and deal with it carefully. So it, it, it harkens back to like a year ago when you and I were recording and I was, you know, just got to New Zealand and I'm like, Oh God, there's nothing here that will hurt you besides the, the food. I, yeah, ha ha ha, New Zealand. Uh, you know, the food was pretty good down there too. But then I'm like, you, you go over the Tasman Sea and there's everything in the world will kill you in Australia, including yes. the food. That's why, <laughs> that's why Australians yeah. are so tough. I mean, they really have to be, right? Yeah. They're, I love Aussies. They're amazing. Oh, I love they're our, the best. Thank you to our, we have a few Australian listeners. So, oh, thank we got you. a bunch. We got a bunch. I love my yeah, Aussies so and Kiwis. Yeah. Yeah. But, but definitely stay tuned to listen to Chris's kind of, wild facts and and i had fun stumbled in stumbled across some interesting data about the since we're talking about immortal jellyfish today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about the longest lived organisms yeah yeah so, so stick you know, with us that, and we'll have it's less than immortal i'll that's your hint <laughs> yes yeah so we, we are covering the longest you know, potentially i mean today potentially. is the, potentially the longest yes uh yeah, but i have we, some other fun Fun cocktail party answers or Jeopardy answers okay. about other long-lived organisms. All right. All right. Well, it's not the common house fly, all right? <laughs> or mosquitoes, thank no. God. No. No. Okay. So jellyfish and describing the immortal jellyfish. So there's really – jellyfish have two different body forms, you know, throughout their lives, mm-hmm. the, the way to think about it. And the way everybody knows is, is like Angie already said, the bell – so you have the bell, upside down bell with tentacles hanging down. I mean, that's how we all kind of think of jellyfish. That's called the Medusa, which makes sense. You know, most people that know Greek mythology, Medusa, you know, she had all the snakes from her head. Um, you looked at her and you turned to stone. Okay. So mm-hmm. you have this, this floating bell with all these tentacles. The, the one that people don't really know is the immature portion or body form and that's the polyp and this one is is, it's almost looks like a sea anemone so they just said it's the opposite with the mouth and tentacles kind of pointing up and they're really immature right and the other key factor is a polyp is sessile which means it's attached to the seafloor or something it's not moving it's not mobile yeah, and I think we'll get a little bit into the life cycle, right? I mean, they, they've got, especially the immortals, oh, yeah. it, it's a crazy life cycle. Uh, yeah. I did too much studying for us not to yeah. bore our listeners with it all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look at the immortal, at first they're, they're tiny, tiny. You, you read the descriptions, they say smaller than a pinky nail, you know, 4.5 millimeters or, you know, not even 0.2 inches. They're, they are mm. tiny. These things do not get very big. And that's when they're full grown. And these ones are unique because when they're adults, you have their stomach, which is kind of bright red because it's tra- their bell's transparent. And then they have about 90 tentacles. And I don't know, what's the, the tiny, tiny spaghetti? You know, the, um, the, the angel the pasta? hair. Yeah, angel hair. It's angel like hair. very tiny. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Angel hair pasta. That, I guess about I, was 90 a, of those. I was a waste. Yes, you can quiz me on almost any pasta. I was a waitress <laughs> at an Italian restaurant for a majority of my early years okay. in life. So okay. Yes, yes, angel hair. So I mean, you know, that's how you describe it, angel hair, because they're not really thick legs, or they're just about. But there's a bunch of them. It's like crazy little. Right. Well, and I think the other the other kind of uh, thing to note is that jellyfish in general, uh, I think, in, obviously including the more jellyfish, mm-hmm. is they have these these tentacles that are used mm-hmm. to help filter their prey, which we'll talk about in nutrition towards the mouth. But a lot of times the, the thing that hangs down that you think are tentacles that hang really long, those are actually, a lot of times there's four of them. Those are actually called their oral arms. So a little different than the tentacle. The oral arms basically collect the prey that's been filtered from the tentacles and then puts it in their mouth, which, so just a little bit of a, a little bit of a, uh, invertebrate biologist clarification, <laughs> yes, if you will. There you go. <laughs> yeah. New career for you. No, now, uh, no, no, no. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. Now, uh, these were first discovered in the Mediterranean 
And then yep, in, the, they're, they, in the 1880s. Yeah, a long time ago, long time ago. And not, I wasn't even born anywhere near there. So, you know, I, I make <laughs> dad jokes about that. Yeah. Yeah. Then they, they found them off the, the Sea of Japan now. And mm-hmm. now they're finding, you know, these particular species. And I think we're going to get to it in a second on why, but they're starting to find these jellyfish all over the world. And mm-hmm. there's, there's kind of a reason why. I mean, what I read, because really trying to, you know, you, you type in immortal jellyfish range and you start reading all these different papers and sites and stuff on them. And it, it, it's confusing because they're starting to find these things everywhere. The problem is, and we're going to get to this, why, you know, why care about jellyfish? Jellyfish are proliferating around the world. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the exact opposite of the theme of this show and really what we've covered with a lot of species in decline. But because of other species in decline, jellyfish have started to bloom all over the place. The reason they're, they think they're finding these different species of jellyfish around the world is because they are notorious for hitching rides on ships. And I'm not talking cruise ships. You know, they, they go to the holes and they just attach themselves. And all of a sudden that ship went from the Mediterranean to Japan. And I don't know if that's how they got there, but boom, they let go or they go to the Caribbean or they go off Brazil or down to Australia, you know. And so now they're finding different species of jellyfish everywhere. Oh, yeah, Chris. No, one of um, one of the scientists from the Smithsonian Tropical Marine Institute <laughs> describes it as a a silent worldwide invasion. Yeah. And they're so. booming. They're booming. Be- yes. I mean, so a couple of weeks ago we talked about sea turtles and leatherback sea turtles who specialize in eating jellyfish, right? Jellyfish. Yes. Yeah. They help populations down. Yeah. They help keep the population down. Overfishing, other things that eat jellyfish, other types of fish, other predators, they are being removed from the ocean. So now all of a sudden you, you don't have the predators and jellyfish have nothing to keep them in check. And so they're booming. They're doing great. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And they're, they're seeing these jellyfish blooms, you know, and just seeing them everywhere. It, It it's, it's one of the things like why care about jellyfish? I think that's a big one. You know, we're starting to see imbalances in the ecosystem. And yes, Chris, I totally agree. Keeping, the ocean has its natural historic balance of predator prey interactions that's have for 500 million years. Like mm-hmm. I think you'll cover in evolution. So that's a critical factor in why we should care about our oceans, jellyfish, definitely sea turtles. But when looking at direct economic importance for humans, there's a couple things that really struck a chord with me. The first one, of course, is the fact that Immortal jellyfish are immortal, which we're going to explain a little bit more when we get to their life cycle of how they do this. The immortal jellyfish is biologically immortal. And this is a remarkable feature that makes it highly reproducible and has actually generated generated a lot of interest in the species as a potential biological model for research on aging Mm -hmm. and molecular mechanisms of cell differentiation and trans-differentiation, which is a big word to say. It was a big word to type. I actually typed it right the first time. But (laughs) and we're gonna touch more and we'll we'll get you we'll we'll get we'll get our listeners some definitions about uh stem cells and transdifferentiation and and how or what we know about why the immortal jellyfish is biologically immortal. But this research has potential to go really far with humans Mm -hmm. and help us learn more about stem cells or the whole great debate is should we use stem cells from humans that makes some people uncomfortable. If we could get them from another biological model, like a jellyfish, I don't think that would hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, So, a lot of potential economic growth and development there for human health, right? And then the, and that's futuristically, okay? We're not there yet. But another way, the jelly, jellyfish in general, not necessarily the immortal jellyfish. I'm not sure exactly which species, but jellyfish in general have helped, have helped humans with biomedical science for their fluorescent proteins that they make. Mm-hmm. There's one in particular that was discovered back in like 1961 called green fluorescent protein. And it's like bioluminescent, right? That gives them like makes mm-hmm. them glow in the ocean. I've used it. I've and used it. 
I've used well, it. Well, exactly, know? Chris. I've been using yeah. it the past couple weeks in, yeah. uh, in one of the labs yeah. that I am working in. And, and so what all these genius scientists were able to do is they isolated this green fluorescent protein from, uh, from jellyfish and they're able to sequence it's, uh, the genome and look at mm. what, uh, how, basically how to make this. And so now green fluorescent protein is like man-made and it's become widely used as a fluorescent tag mm-hmm. in cellular biology to basically show which cells or tissues express specific genes. Mm-hmm. So in anybody that's done any work along cell lines or genetic grad students or research scientists that have done really anything with cells or genes is very familiar with GFP. And mm-hmm. I had no idea until I think late last night yeah. <laughs> that it came from a, that it was thanks to a jellyfish and, yeah. and wanting to understand how that worked and wanting to mimic it. And it's things like this that I, you know, I just, I, they shouldn't be taken for granted. And no, no, I want to, th- no. I want to thank the jellyfish yeah. <laughs> for inspiring us and how, and, and all these, all these, uh, cells that are, um, fluoresced and tagged and help us show what cells express what proteins is huge, huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge. It tells, it gives scientists a lot, a lot of information that's really important to help make drugs, vaccines, mm-hmm. um, cure diseases, things like mm-hmm. that. So anyways, way to go jellyfish. Yeah. And if, and that's from years ago. And so that's where the immortal jellyfish, which we talk about its history, has only recently been described as immortal. Mm-hmm. We have a whole gamut of things to potentially learn from this critical oh, creature. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a, that is a, a, something I've lectured on quite a bit, not so much the immortal jellyfish, but talking to my students and, and we'll get there once we get a little bit into stem cells and stuff. And just to clarify to the people, when when Angie says synthetic or man-made, that doesn't mean they're grinding up a bunch of jellyfish for this this dye protein. They actually make it now. They don't. The jellyfish gave up the secrets, and now it's all made in a lab somewhere. So correct, uh, but exactly around Thank the world, it's used. That. Yeah, yeah, it's used around the mm-hmm. world. I mean, in every continent, yeah, probably even in Antarctica, when they're doing work down there, they might be using it. So. We learn a lot, and and the immortality stuff is just crazy, and we'll get there. Now, let's just jump through jellyfish evolution really quick. Now, not having a backbone, it's been very hard to track jellyfish evolution. But we, what we do know, okay, is these are definitely one of the, the earliest known animals, like we've said, that have organized tissues. And they basically have two tissues. They have an epidermis, which is like our skin, the outer layer, mm-hmm. and a gastrodermis. That's their internal, where they digest their food. And then they have just this this rudimentary nervous system, which we'll talk about a little bit. They're the first animals to know that they can actually swim using muscles. So they actually do swim a little bit, do have some muscular control. They just don't float, you know, with with the current. Now, what they, what we do know is, what scientists do know is that we have found a fossil that was found in 2007 by the Smithsonian, and it was by Alan Collins, and they actually found a fossil of a jellyfish in Utah that dates over 505 million years ago. That's so incredible. Yes. That is That's what Zan- that's what the- Xander wants to do. He's like such oh. on the paleontologist kick. He's oh my like, god, I will be the proudest you yes. know, uh, so, quote unquote uncle. <laughs> if he does, we, that. I call you an uncle. It's a, or a funkle, a fun uncle. A funkle. Funkle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh my funkle god, Chris. I will, I will help pay for his college if he goes to study exactly. dinosaurs. Exactly. So you know, this is the oldest fossil they found, but they still scientists believe they might live. They, these things might have been around seven hundred million years ago. Like when okay, the yeah, oceans I was were reading up. Uh, yeah, sixty, uh, six hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah. I, that's insane. It's nuts. Oh my god, my brain can't get around that. So that's evolution in a nutshell. <laughs> they haven't changed much. They're old. They are old. They are simple. And think, uh, of, yeah. And they've survived every mass extinction. And they'll survive this one. I mean, they'll survive no, yeah. this six and the seventh, unless the whole Earth goes away and we dry up. You know, they've they've survived every mass extinction, which is insane because. I think it was That's the, what I'm saying. we have a lot uh, to learn the, from them. <laughs> yeah. The third or fourth is when like 98% of life died and these things survived. 
right? they're well, out there floating around doing their thing. And I'm talking a little out of turn just because I'm so excited, but yeah. I mean, I, you know, with all these plastics and microplastics in the ocean, mm-hmm. I mean, they've probably figured out like how to filter them out or something. I know that, uh, <laughs> I know that different, um, studies are showing that different types of, um, mollusks are pretty, cause they mm-hmm. filter water. So they're pretty good at like cleaning mm-hmm. water out. Now I don't know if they can actually do the microplastics, but you know, right. who knows? Maybe some of the secrets to cleaning up the oceans are in these guys. Like. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Now, I did find the the largest jellyfish, Angie, and you know, most most of them around the ocean are half an inch, you know, to sixteen Tiny. inches. They're not very mm-hmm. big, right? Yeah. yeah. And but the, there is the smallest ones, just a millimeter wide. Aww. The largest. This one's crazy. The largest is the lion's mane jellyfish. Oh yeah, can be almost six that. feet, six feet wide. As, yeah. as tall as me, like oh, yeah. wide. Mm-hmm. And their tentacles are over almost 50 feet or 15 meters. Like, yeah. that's no, insane. That, mm-hmm. I, I don't ever want to see that thing. It would eat me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd get stuck and stung. And next thing I know, I'm being swallowed and eaten by this ancient creature. So the, uh, the lion's mane jellyfish, folks, six feet wide. Six feet wide or 1.8 meters wide. Nuts. Now, the immortal jelly, its scientific name is Teratopsis dorini, and it's a hydrozoan. So the class of hydrozoan just means that these individuals are, are usually smaller. They're predatory, so they, they are kind of carnivorous. They do sometimes live by themselves or they live in colonies, but again, the hydrozoans all live in saltwater. So there's a whole different class of them, of those those animals. Now, getting into the fun stuff, you know, the, the physiology, the life cycle. Obviously, these things have the potential for living forever. We don't know how long they actually do live. There's potentially one that's out there that it could be millions of years old. We just don't know. It, 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 you can't carbon date that. But yeah, Chris, I do think it's important to point out, though, that the immortal jellyfish is biologically immortal, which means they can be killed or eaten. I mean, that's probably what happens to most of them, right? Um, but they don't seem to die from old age. And what right. research has shown in the lab, which is really hard to mimic in open water, so when they're threatened by physical injury or by starvation, they can transform back to a juvenile polyp stage by retracting their tentacles, right. shrinking their bodies, sinking to the ocean floor, and starting the cycle all over again, which can be repeated indefinitely. And the cycle is a little bit yeah. more detailed than I'm describing right now, and we'll talk about that in life cycle. But yes, this ability to revert to from a sexually mature animal, Medusa, mm-hmm. To an immature stage, some experts have called it, it's like, it's like a butterfly changing back into a caterpillar instead of dying. Right. Right. It's, it's crazy. So their life cycle. So a normal life cycle, right? So we have, and, and you'll get a Which little bit. Which, for the repro, record, is not, was well, not normal for me because I'm, I am, no, a, I'm no, a no, mammal no. biologist. <laughs> Yes, yes. But they they do have, you know, males and females. You have sperm and eggs. They have males and females. They have sperm and egg. We will put some diagrams on the show notes if you get lost. So you can see it. I'm a more visual person for sure. I had to see it and look at it. So, you you know, you have the little sperm and egg come together and they fertilize the egg. And then you have a larva that floats to the bottom. So this larva is a planula. Mm -hmm. Goes to the bottom of the ocean to... Settles, becomes a polyp, mm-hmm. releases the immature Medusa, which then matures into the big mature Medusa with the, the, the upside down bell with the legs or the right. legs. And and arm, right. And it should be no, right. And I think it should be known that this polyp that releases the, uh, the, the immature Medusa releases mm-hmm. a lot of them and they're all mm-hmm. genetically identical clones. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So that in the immortal, instead of the adult just dying mm-hmm. of old age, these ones get injured or are starving and they just go back to the immature stage. So 
it's it, oh, it, it's nuts. No other no other creature we know does this, and Correct. it's just the the immature medusas that are released are like you said genetically identical, so it clones itself basically yes. is what it is. Now I guess I'll get into it now because there's a lot of cool physiology, and and since we're on the immortality thing. How does it do this? That is the rabbit hole I went down. How do you, you know, how does an animal revert back? And like Angie said, big word, transdifferentiation. And gosh, this is such a, this is like, I always get so geeky when I start <laughs> lecturing about cloning and, you know, talking to this to my students. Now is your time. It's your platform. Shine, baby, shine. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Well, I remember, you know, there was a, it was probably 10 years ago at UF when we have the anti-aging institute at the University of Florida. You know, what are they doing for aging? And this one was on newts. Like there's certain newts that you cut off their limbs and they regenerate and regrow. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, this is like lizards regrowing a tail. These, these animals can regrow limbs. So the, the scientist that I listened to was talking about the process of, of how that regeneration happens. So many biologists around the world are working on this. And there's actually a few biologists, some of the big ones. I think there's one out of Harvard. His name escapes me right now. He believes they're the first 200-year-old human is walking the earth. That we just haven't – they don't know it yet. It's We haven't found the exact medical treatment or whatever. So I keep telling my students – Start planning for second, third, fourth careers. Because <laughs> you're going to live for 200 years. Well, good. I'm doing it. I'm doing everything right. I think I'm on my fifth or sixth. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I can't even think of another career after this one, but so there's a lot of different animals that we're learning from, right? So what they're looking at specifically, like Angie said, is stem cells. And what a stem cell is, is basically a cell that hasn't been told to become your eye or your arm yeah. or your leg mm-hmm. or your hair. It, they just haven't been differentiated yet. They haven't been programmed to become a liver cell or your heart cell or skeletal muscle or your bone, right? So the stem cell is, is just a blueprint that needs directions or really a, a, not directions because the directions are in there in the DNA, but it just needs to be pushed it needs the in right, the right direction. Usually yeah, like the chemical inputs to kind of tell it which, which way to go. Right, right. So that's where stem cell research is. People are so excited about it is because we can take either adult stem cells or these young stem cells and program them to become, you know, a new liver or whatever a new cell you heart might muscle need. Or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So once the cell's differentiated and it becomes that bone cell or muscle cell, you can't revert the process. Correct. And most, almost everything else on Earth, except some of these other species, particularly the immortal jellyfish. So what they do is they revert that that cycle and they become stem cells again, and then they grow and clone themselves and become a you know a polyp and a medusa. So they're able to to reverse the process. Now, this is a two-parter, Angie, <laughs> so, and I'm trying to cover this in, like as quickly as I can, as thorough as I can, because usually this was a lecture, and then I'm on the chalkboard like, oh, I need to do this, this, and this, and this. Okay, so here's my next question. Aging. What is aging? And And I was just explaining this to a friend the other day. Okay. Every time our cells divide, generally your DNA gets shorter. So there's telomeres at the end of your DNA. And those are the caps. Then and DNA is is the genetic code. So most people are hopefully listening to this kind of understand what DNA does. So every time that cell divides, that DNA gets a little bit shorter and shorter and shorter. Now when we're younger, we have telomerase, which is an enzyme that rebuilds those ends. Okay, so it keeps that DNA intact. Well, as we get older, like in our age, and as we get, you know, some gray hairs and some other things and aches and pains and things like that, telomerase activity is is going down in our cells. So by the time you're 60, 70, 80, 90, it's pretty much not active or barely active. So your cells are getting, you know, shorter, your, your DNA is getting shorter. 
your cells are, are not able to function as well. Okay. And so that's where we get some age related diseases, things like that. The way I like to, to explain this to my students is Dolly the sheep. Everybody knows who Dolly was, or most people does. So that was the very first true cloned animal. Dolly the sheep cells were taken from a seven year old you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Female sheep cloned. Dolly was born. But when Dolly was born, she had the cells of a seven year old sheep, not a newborn. So she had arthritis early. She was an old lady. By the time she was one, she was eight years old biologically, mm-hmm. even though physically she was only a year old. So my question was with these guys, okay, because that's a normal process. Why don't their telomeres get shorter and shorter and shorter and they end up dying? Well, they found is the telomerase activity is actually high in these animals, even in old age. All right, so it's basically this the cellular death clock is ticking, and then it hits this thing called the Hayflick limit where the cells stop dividing and then they die. And there's only so many limits or only so many times a cell can divide. And telomerase is, is the key. So in these immortal jellyfish, telomerase activity never ceases. It's It's high, and then... <laughs> It can revert back to this stage and keep their DNA intact. Right. You know, if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I think. Kind of. Where you're going with. Kind of. (laughs) Sort of. Is as scientists, we don't really know how they program it just yet to get those cells to revert back to a more immature, immature form. Right. Yes. That's what I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around, around that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like that movie, Benjamin Button, right? He's born old and he goes through, that's a weird, weird movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it was uh, Brad Pitt. Remember he was born an old man and then he turns into a baby. (laughs) This is basically Benjamin. (laughs) This is, we should name this Benjamin Button. The, this is, this animal is Benjamin Button. So it, 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 the old and goes back to being young, but then it becomes old again and then it becomes young and then old and young and old and young. Yada, 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 yada. Going. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the cliff notes version. Again, this would be like an hour lecture easily in any college course on, on how they do this. Yes, Chris. Well, thank you first and foremost for me and probably most of our listeners for that amazing stem cell Lecture, mini lecture. Oh, you've heard it for 10 times. (laughs) You've heard it 10 times. I love it. I love it every time. Every time it's just, it is, it's true. You're just so great at explaining it and helping it make sense. And, and I guess what's so hard for me is that for everything you described that we do know, there's the whole other side of what we don't know. And especially when it comes to the immortal jellyfish and the way this actually, this, this reversing portion of it. It's one thing to start off as a stem cell and then get programmed into other things, which obviously we've done that with cloning, but as another thing to then go backwards and this aging in reverse phenomenon, they're, researchers are starting to touch base with it and they're definitely looking at the immortal jellyfish with their jaws dropping like, holy, holy wow. Yeah. Uh, and what actually kind of blew my mind was that the mortal jellyfish and its secret powers or mysterious powers have been – researchers have been aware of them for 10, 20 years now. Um, and I'm kind of like, well, why hasn't it gone further? Why don't we know more? There's a few key reasons of why we don't know more about transdifferentiation and why it's not more applied in biomedical technology right now. And I think the first and foremost is that there's not many people that specialize in hydroids or hydrozoa or the immortal jellyfish. And general, there's basically like one guy far as I could find, like one main scientist named Shen Kabuto from Koyoro University in Japan that manages and sustains a population of these immortal jellyfish for a prolonged period of time. And he does a lot of the research on them and has 
witnessed uh, this basically transdifferentiation and can stimulate it in the lab um, and has multiple uh, multiple generations of clones. But in general, there's just not a lot of places that are keeping them and able to um, have the husbandry to keep them alive and keep them breeding and doing their thing in order to actually study this. So in my opinion, the biotechnology portion of it is moving slower than I guess I would assume it probably should. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in general, people that study animals, probably maybe similar to you and I, they want to go for the big five or the, uh, mm-hmm. There's probably, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of people knocking down the invertebrate biology doors, which looking back now, I think I should have maybe. It's a really cool No, path. no, 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 no. <laughs> but no, no, but it really no. is. I mean, talking about the uh, basis, primitive. I mean, if you understand how these primitive organisms work, I feel like it makes everything else maybe easier later on, right? Um, That's true. That's true. That's true. So, but there's, yeah, there's still... A lot more to know. I mean, like I couldn't really find any articles actually describing how they go from, you know, a round bell shaped creature with all these tentacles and oral arms to, they say it folds in on themselves, but I'm still kind of like, Mm -hmm. where does that tissue go and what does it do? Yeah. Uh, for some reason I can understand like, a larva turning a caterpillar turning into a butterfly that's like extra cells well, like the growth like, right, right. Yeah, i feel like growth. i feel like yeah, growth, growth for some reason that makes sense that cells dividing but mm-hmm. transdifferenting into other cells and shrinking benjamin button as you had uh said yeah. earlier yep. that i i just still couldn't find a great description for that and so and i think yeah, like, i mean it's Basic biology, sloughing. We slough skin cells. Like if anybody doesn't know, the dust is mostly dead skin cells. You know? Well, it's... well, your poop is mostly <laughs> a lot of cells. <laughs> cells some, yes, some that's... more Angie's, than others. Angie's favorite. Yeah, Angie's favorite. So yeah, it's probably some sloughing of cells. But yeah, it's you know talking about the limits, and I think the anti-aging thing is is gaining strength in the last 20 years. Yes. So, definitely. I mean, I was just, definitely. God, no, was, it hit, I'm sure we'll it, see more. Yeah. I mean, it hit me today. Next year's 2020. Like that's insane. It's insane. Time flies, but yeah. you know, in the, in the, in how quickly genetics has moved in the last 20 years, since I started grad school, it, it's going to be in the next 60 to 80 years by the, the year 2100, it's going to be insane what they're going to be able to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's important to point out too, is that, I mean, basically from a like genetic perspective, Mm -hmm. we don't look that much different than jellyfish. So that's (laughs) That's pretty crazy, right? That's just, it is, it is. ah. Yeah. I mean, like here's, and here's some differences, right? So their nervous system, again, is very ancient. They don't have brains. They have just a network of neurons called the nerve net that they can sense their environment, water chemistry, when they touch certain foods. Salinity, they, pH, yeah. Light. Right. It, it, it has some organization, but but not very complex like our brains and our spinal cords, things like that. Again, no bones, only these two cell layers. And then, you know, they, they don't have lungs or gills like other, other fish. They have a very rudimentary digestive system. It's just crazy. And then when you talk about something specialized in this species, you know, most jellyfish is specialized cells to capture prey, these nematocysts or coloblasts. Mm-hmm. And these are the, the, the venom bearing harpoons is how I saw them described. Yes. I saw so, them described as tiny. Hundreds and th- hundreds or thousands of tiny hypodermic needles. Yeah. And they, whenever they're touched, right? So that sends out the signal and they shoot and they shoot out of the cell and either, you know, hit us or the prey and releases their toxins. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it took what I read, it took only 700 nanoseconds. Like it's instantaneous. Mm-hmm. So that's why when people get stung, which knock on wood, I have not, and I never want to experience it, but it's, it's an instant boom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of, uh, putting that venom into your skin does not feel good. And the degree of pain and reaction to jellyfish sting does definitely depend on the species, right? Larger jellyfish have larger, 
uh, needle cysts or sinoblasts that penetrate deeper into your skin. Uh, and some jellyfish right. have stronger venom than others. But I was watching a YouTube video of um, the specialized nemesis needle-like cell uh, that was disturbed in the lab. And these amazing scientists set up high-speed cameras and did all this crazy, amazing stuff. And they slowed it down. But it does. It looks like a spear you know, going out and Ow. lots of them going out and <laughs> yeah. jabbing whatever it is that touched it. And then of course that's, you know, that specialized cell then injects venom into the, what would be prey um, or a human leg if you're on the beach. And I, and I'm going to jump ahead because I was going to save this kind of towards the end, but since we're talking about jellyfish stings, there's a, an old wives tale out there that you should pee on it, urinate on a jellyfish sting and it will make it feel better. No. Absolutely not. They say do not do that because it would probably make it hurt even more. And urine isn't clean. You and um, they shouldn't even be cleaned with fresh water because it just is going to hurt you even more. It's going to increase the pain. So what they do recommend is if you do get a jellyfish burn, and and this is weird, but try vinegar, which you would think would hurt, but it doesn't, or a baking soda or baking soda paste. And obviously see a doctor if, if you're not feeling well or if it's, if it's pretty severe, but you know, just, ugh, I don't want to ever experience that. I don't want to see them. <laughs> don't pee on a jellyfish thing. Cause I remember someone telling me that, Oh, just pee on it. It'll feel better. And like, no, don't do that. Please. <laughs> kind of your nerd thing, Angie nutrition. I have so many nerd really things. Quick, Which what? nerd thing do you want me to nerd out on? Cause I don't have much for behavior. Okay. You just go. <laughs> Okay, go new, go nutrition. Go, you cover it. You're, you're the nutritionist. Oh yes. So this is the other thing when I was walking my dog trying to figure out about jellyfish is their digestive physiology. And I think the key things to point out with their nutrition is that they are carnivore and they jellyfish usually can, the main diet for jellyfish will usually consist of fish eggs, plankton and tiny mollusks. I did learn something though, Chris. It was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Jellyfish, actually of all sizes, are considered plankton. Though most, okay. <laughs> though most species of plankton are microscopic, it can also include organisms such as a jellyfish. So, so that lion's mane jellyfish. I think that there has might be exceptions <laughs> in the old literature, but just Maybe. in general, yeah, the smaller ones because they're consumed by some, you know, yeah. probably like you know whales That's and true. things yeah. like filter that. Feeders, filter feeders, yeah. right? So, yeah. Um, whale sharks, yeah. But yeah, in general, the key thing to know about jellyfish digestive physiology is that their mouth, wait for it, is their anus. <laughs> so it's probably a good thing that they're not super specialized with like taste buds and, and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so no. no, it's, it's super fascinating um, because they are so simplistic with their tissues is that they have the gastrovascular cavity is basically the primary organ of digestion that leads in from the, or the mouth leads into this cavity. And it's an organ of, or, it's a collective tissue that helps with digestion and circulation in both jellyfish and, of course, in corals as well. And the mouth opens in the gastrovascular cavity, and that's where digestion takes place and nutrients are absorbed. So once again, they're eating either eggs or mollusks, things like that. And when the food enters the mouth through the GV cavity, they have enzymes. So that's similar to maybe mammal nutrition. And these enzymes are secreted and they break down the food into simpler forms. But then throughout that same cavity, waste material is eject ejected out. And so basically the mouth is the anus. Okay. And generally speaking for cnidarians, like the mortal jellyfish, this gastrovascular cavity can be, is like divided into four septa, and gastro pockets. And what's cool about the gastro pockets is that in these, near these areas, the gonads or the sexual organs for the male or the female are attached to the septa 
in in the four different areas, right? Because most jellyfish have radial symmetry, like a wheel, right? So you can divide it into mm-hmm. different um, sides. And that's either going to house the, the eggs or the, um, the sperm. And so mm-hmm. when a male releases sperm into the water, it's going to once again travel through the mouth or the anus to fertilize the <laughs> eggs. The eggs will develop for a little while and then be um, released to attach to the seafloor. So it's just uh, their digestion. Their So their mouth, uh, the, the one main opening they have does a lot, a lot of different things. And yet it's very simple. It's the Swiss army knife of biology. It is. It really it is. is. And I, and I, I wasn't able to uh, dive as much as I wanted into because I'm like, what enzymes and where? And then, you know, mm. you know, how long, like, how long does their digestion take? We always talk a lot in, um, in horses about retention time of feed and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't find any mm-hmm. of that information, but I was very, very curious about, you know, how long does it take down to break, break some of these elements down? What, and then I was like, oh, I wonder what mm-hmm. jellyfish feces look like, right? Yeah. What do they look yeah. like? What is it like? Yeah. What does it look like? Yeah. I think you, 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 you found your calling. As I say, did I did, did, <laughs> start your own immortal jellyfish I know, lab? Did I go too far down the rabbit hole? Probably with all these questions. I love feces. And so I'm just thinking, gosh, how, how digested is their food when it comes back out their mouth or how long and things like that. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. listeners, I, how efficient, right? How efficient. That's what we talk about. Like efficiency. That's where I think Angie, the reason Angie, you know, always talks about poop is because we learn a lot about what goes in and what comes mm-hmm. out, right? So how many of those nutrients did we digest and absorb and lose, right? And, and feed efficiency is a big thing. So. And we don't, I don't think, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious we don't too. know that in jellyfish, but it is, it, it'll give me a lot Probably to think not. about when I'm walking the dog in the cold weather this month. So if you had a time budget on 24 hours, what do jellyfish do or immortal jellyfish do? Well, Chris, I can tell you that the adults are free swimming um, with the umbrella-shaped bells and trailing tentacles, and they can pulsate to provide propulsion to locomote, and that's about it that they have. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I did find a, I did find a video, and I wasn't able to follow it up with uh, paper, but I think it was out of nature. And it was uh, a document proving that jellyfish sleep. So that which the researchers oh, wow. found fascinating okay. because they don't have a brain, technically, like a, um, mm-hmm. they have a, a nervous system of some. Yeah, they they definitely have nerves and have you know collect conduct conduct electrical impulses and things like that, similar to us. But they don't have this this neural glial mass mass that we have. That's a brain mm-hmm. and other things. So. But yeah, so that just leads, just like science in general, you answer one question. Okay, yes, they were able to, through experiments, prove that they do do something that resembles sleep, but they don't, which is really fascinating, but they don't know, that just opens a million more questions like, well, how? How do you sleep when you don't have a brain? Um, yeah. And why? I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Maybe your muscles need to rest. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so, and of course their defense strategy is, is using their, um, stinging toxins. And that's also a mechanism they use to capture their prey, depending on the size of the prey, right? To stun it with venom. Um, but yeah, as far as like social structure and communication, I'm pretty lacking in that department. So I have my homework cut out for me when we cover our next jellyfish. I'm sure there's information. I'm, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's information complex. out there about <laughs> yeah. them, but, and how yeah. they communicate and how the male, I mean, how a male mm. know, you know, how, how their breeding cycle, courtship. courtship. Yeah. yeah. I, um, <laughs> yeah. that got a little bit lost to me on this time. So for all my, all my reproductive physiology fans out there that love this portion of the podcast, I apologize. Yeah, I, it's and, and you're talking an ancient, ancient animal, so it's not very complex. Like, well, Chris, now that's the thing. I don't want to. We, we, you know, that's always yeah. the go-to answer. Is like, oh, they're stupid. They don't know anything. No, they're not. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just thinking it's probably. It's just not very, I mean, they don't have eyes. They, I mean, sensory. But no, they think that one can clues. see. I was reading somewhere. They think that one can, might even be able to see in color. How they see okay. and how they have eyes. I, Like I said, I mean, 
and they could definitely sense light and dark. So, I mean, I think the more we study them, the more we realize, oh yeah, they're of course way different than us in a lot of instances, but that they are able to, you know, they're able to, like you said, they're able to understand salinity and like all these other changes where Mm -hmm. right now I Mm -hmm. couldn't tell you that if the barometric pressure is going down and it's going to rain or whatever. Uh, And yet these animals can. And so I'm sure maybe from a, you know, watching them point of view, it might be a little boring because they just kind of (laughs) float. I think they're beautiful in the aquarium. So I think they're phenomenal in all the different colors and shapes and yeah, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. And I think we should give them more attention because like you said, they've been around 500, 600 million years. So, uh, they're whatever behavior they are, I guess they're keeping it simple. Maybe we should be more like a jellyfish, man. Just float, just, yeah. just, <laughs> just float around. <laughs> Yeah, all day. <laughs> now, what we said in the beginning as far as conservation, it, it, it's pretty opposite of of what we covered. Most jellyfish are doing just fine, and they're actually booming. So there's probably a, a, a too many uh, jellyfish. But uh, are there any organizations out there supporting jellyfish? I know there's there's people studying them for sure, but. Yeah, well, there's some people studying them. Uh, the moral jellyfish is not a ton, uh, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no jellyfish conservation groups that I could find that I was aware of. If there are any, please let me know. So in general, this week, I would just want to talk about oceans. I love promoting ocean and ocean health. I think that, mm-hmm. uh, as Chris pointed out earlier in the podcast, that it is a fine balance between predator and prey and keeping that balance healthy. And so we need predators that aren't doing very well, such as sea turtles and other large sea mammals and fish uh, that would be consuming natural jellyfish populations. So, but those guys aren't going to stick around if we don't take care of our oceans. So today I like to encourage everyone to check out the Ocean Conservancy. Dot org. They have a great Facebook page. I follow them on Facebook. Tons of fun facts, um, really interesting articles about the oceans, about what they're doing. And they, I think, really take a lot of action and speak up for marine wildlife in general. And by that, I mean they have ideas of how you can help stand up to Congress um, and what ways you can do it and helping stop drilling of oil and gas and the Atlantic ocean and just some really, I mean, hands-on thing. The ocean conservancy's website is phenomenal. Um, as far as information about support actions they are taking research, they're doing uh, wins that they've had. And then just how the average person like myself can get involved and make steps towards helping keep the oceans healthy for the wildlife to continue to inhabit them successfully in the future. Right. Yeah. They're a good one. They're a good one. And that, that kind of rolls into my conservation tip of the week. And, you know, with the ocean theme is for those of us that go to the coast and and most people do either travel, you know, even if you live in the middle of the United States or the middle of Brazil, at some point you're going to go to the ocean. So when you're there, just help take care of the beach. You know, the beach is fun. It's great. It's, it's, I love it. Um, 10 minutes from it now, you know, you're, you're stuck there in Florida. You're an hour each way. Right? Well, you know, <laughs> there was, it was, yeah. One of yeah. my bucket list items though is to watch the sunrise on the, mm-hmm. there Atlantic you go. And then yes. drive yes. and watch it set on the Gulf. Cause it was a, that'd be cool. That's it was fun. like an amazing sunset tonight. Now we're 45 miles inland mm-hmm. from the Gulf coast, but I was, right. it was just, it was breathtaking. And I just, yeah. it just, I couldn't stop looking at it. It was like a painting. And so that reminded me of my bucket list goal that I haven't done. Yeah, You got to do it. You got to do it. The past eight years I've been in Florida, I but I thought it'd be a fun one to do with the boys. Like yeah. we could camp out in St. Augustine, yeah. get up in the morning, watch yeah. sunrise and then, Go maybe camp on the other Head side. Head over to the coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Gulf. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. So while you're there, Angie, make sure you take care of the beach, you know, ex- appreciate the ocean, explore a little bit. Just don't obviously interfere with wildlife, which I know you would never do. No, no, no. But, you know, and don't, rem- don't take rocks or corals 
And one thing that people could do is participate in local beach cleanups. Yes. You know, if you're near there, go help clean up the beach. And I'm going to look into that near me in Southern California and see if I can find a local beach cleanup and go out there and do my part. So I love the beach. I grew up with the beach. Yeah, I'm a water kid. Yeah, Lake Michigan for me all the way, baby. Yeah. Yep, yep. Good stuff. All right. So before we get into the most ancient animals, Mm -hmm. you know, on your list – Really quick, so you were right, or you you were alluding to it with those little tiny octopi, is the most deadliest jellyfish is also in Australia, so I'm sure our Aussie fans down there know, the box jellyfish. It is a crazy one, and it can get 10 feet in length, and it has incredible, powerful venom. So the box jellyfish is the deadliest jellyfish. And over there, and again, Australia, everything will kill you. <laughs> Except the beer. So it will. <laughs> and the friendship. <laughs> the beer and the friendship. Uh, so it will yeah. kill you. There stings. Yes. Box jellyfish can kill you. The NSF there in the United States National Science Foundation, that up to 40 people a year die in the Philippines from box jellyfish. Oh, wow. Ugh. So around the world, yeah. The, the, we don't know the worldwide number, but that's a lot more than some of the other species we've covered, right? Like we always talk about animals that kill people. Um, this is one that we, we don't know, but that's a lot. That's a lot each year because these things just – what happens is their venom causes a dangerous spike in blood pressure that can okay. affect the heart. So if you get too much of it, then that's what, the, you know, that's what you die from. But yeah, I thought that was scary, but yeah, I still love Australia. I got to get back down there. I, uh, if given the great. chance, I would still go uh, snorkel the Great Barrier Reef and, or dive it. Yes. No box fish. I did. Jelly, I did no yeah. box jellyfish is going to stop me, right? Yeah. No, I did. I did. Well, you know, why the, why the, the Great Barrier Reef still oh, there. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah, yeah cool. you did that. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Other than immortal jellyfish, what are some of the older things that inhabit this earth? Okay. So from a plant perspective, I uh, love blueberries and blueberries are actually a pretty old growing plant in uh, Michigan and North America. But the very, very oldest plants that we know are the Great Basin Bristlecone Spine, which is over 4,800 years old. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple other ones, um, but one that I recognize was called the Sacred Fig, which is over 2,300 years old, if the date that it was planted is um, actually correct. It might even be older. Right, right. So that's, right. I mean, that's for plants. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's Yeah. Because, you yeah, know, the, yeah. when we time. talk about DNA and um, telomerase mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, what's going, I mean, has mm-hmm. anybody checked out these plants? Like, how are they doing this? How are they, how are they right. not aging after almost 5,000 years with this great base in bristlecone spine? Wow. Okay. Right. Should have studied the, right. uh, now we can get into, we can get it. <laughs> no, I'm no. not going to learn plants. I can't go no. back there. I can't go no, back. No, there. no, um, no, no. Everything I know about plants, I, I know from farming and that's about it. Um, yes. But yeah, as far yeah. as animals go, the Antarctic sponge, is approximately okay. um, 1,550 years old. Okay. That's a new one. That's, I mean. That's a new one for me. That's, I mean. Yeah. Fif- that's over 1,500 years, Chris? 1,500. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. come on. Well, I mean, the oldest one we've covered that's... are been like turtles and whales is like 100 or, you know, so. Well, there's the Greenland shark, right? The Greenland shark's got to be on your list. That one's Not like in this 300 list. years old, right? Well, you can Google it. No, I have that. Okay. No, I don't have that. You'll have to look that up. On my list, I had uh, koi fish has been documented at 215 years. And, wow, that's long, yeah. Um, A bowhead whale, about 210 years. We did cover that. Remember they yes. said they found one with a wooden harpoon yeah. that was, you know, grown over whatever from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Like that's insane. Yeah. That's nuts. So that the shark that you, the, that the shark nuts. that uh you mentioned The Greenland shark, yeah. Uh-huh. They're they're like 400 years old. But yeah. this sponge at 1500 plus years is That beats it. 
Yeah. Yeah, that beats it. So we need to check out their telomerase and see what's going on. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, but I I still think the immortal jellyfish, I guarantee you there's one that's, that's a, that's a thousand years old. Oh, I would imagine, right? I mean, just by numbers wise, mm -hmm. yeah, that's somehow survived. Yeah. You know, by numbers wise. So. You know, or a million years old. It could be out there. It's just been hanging out. <laughs> it's got like the perfect spot where it could come out and eat and go. Yes, and hide. yes. No predators, <laughs> no starvation. Yeah. It's just it's just hopping uh, on boats, just chillaxing, just relaxing on boats. Yeah, <laughs> going around the going around the earth. All right, for us, you know, please share your podcast, uh, rate and review. Angie asked that last episode, but keep listening. We've got. Ooh, a full plate coming up. We, we've it's got exciting. some really cool plans coming up in the next, next six to eight weeks. We've got planned out. We've got some collaborations that we're ready to announce. So, you know, uh, stick with us, uh, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, you know, send us, uh, recommendations. We, we did cover sea turtles on a recommendation. The one we're recording next, somebody requested. So we listen to you and we, we throw it in the schedule. So, so thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Save the sea turtles. Say no to plastic. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.